What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, my loves. This week's guest is Gigi Engel. Gigi is an award-winning author, certified sex educator, and psychotherapist in training. We chatted with Gigi about sex journalism, book burning, and how approaching someone for a threesome can be just a little bit more chill, whether it's online or in person. Gigi has a wealth of offerings for basically everything under the sun when it comes to sexuality. Please go on over to her website, MissGigiEngel.com, to find more of her incredible writing and her video resources, as well as an extensive reading resource list, which is a dream um, for our listeners, I know. So head on over there. Enjoy this conversation. We love you, and we'll see you on the other side. Um, okay, well, this is going to be really fun. We're uh, sitting down with Gigi Angle, um, all the way from the UK. To which you'll be there very soon, Bridie. Looking forward to it. Very exciting. Uh, Gigi is uh, a ACS certified educator, and um, and one of the fun things that I'm kind of like looking forward to talking about today is the work that uh, she does with Three Fun, which I've never heard of until today, and I'm uber excited for our listeners to hear about it because I feel like there's probably a few people that would be very interested in taking a little dive into that app. Yeah. Um, but, uh, aside from that, Gigi, you are, let's talk about c- content. Holy crap. You're like the queen of putting out content. It's unbelievable. The amount of resources that you have like spilled out onto the internet. Um, so before, before we get into all of it, I, I would love to just kind of give you a moment to introduce yourself and maybe give us a little bit of like a, uh, a, a little bit of background on your origin story. How did you end up doing uh, sex therapy and getting into sex therapy in the way that you do it, which is like such a um, engaging and and like accessible uh, platform that you've created online? 
Sure. Okay. So I started out as a journalist and a writer, and I'm still very much in that sphere of of sex writing. And I was pretty filterless from the beginning. So around 2013, I started writing for Elite Daily, which was a very small website at the time. And now is like massive. Um, and I was writing a lot of sex content. And I got very interested in writing reported sex content because there just wasn't a lot of, there wasn't really a lot of good reported sex content on the internet. It was mostly like, you know, these Kama Sutra sex positions and like that kind of thing. So I wanted to do really good in-depth journalism around sex. And there are so many amazing writers now who do that, but I like to think I was one of the Ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I decided that I wanted to get certified in sex education because when I went freelance, I wrote an article for Teen Vogue that I thought wasn't going to be a big deal because I don't think, I think in my own little bubble of sort of sex positivity, but I wrote an article in 2017 about anal sex and it was 14 <laughs> Vogue and it was, it's very science-based. I like worked with the illustrators to do diagrams and stuff. It was just like, and it was very much just like, this is what it is. And this is how you do it safely. If this is something you're going to do. And people like lost their minds over this. Totally. Like I was, I was like on Fox news. I was called a, a sodomite. I was <laughs> like, people were so the, the, the trolling was so aggressive that people were going into my photos and finding like photos of my tagged friends and then harassing them. Oh, oh my, my God. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was next level. Um, Wait, and then, sorry, sorry. What year was this again? That was 2017. 2017. Oh my I, gosh. That, that actually, yeah. like that actually blows my mind. Cause when you said people went absolutely insane about it, immediately my mind went to, Oh, of course. Because like every time we speak at a university or something, all all the questions are always about, let's talk about anal. And so I was like, yeah, of course, people must have ate that up. But uh, uh, this, w- this went the direction, complete different direction that I was, I was anticipating you to go down. Yeah, it's, it had gotten picked up by, I actually don't remember her name, but she's, she was sort of a famous YouTuber. I believe she's since been deplatformed for being a neo-Nazi. Mm. But she, <laughs> she bought a bunch of copies of the Teen Vogue magazine and had like a public book burning. Wow. Um, yeah. God. And honestly, my reaction to it, because I'm so desensitized from trolls, I was like, she thought I was in print because it was like an online only article. Uh, and that was like mm. my reaction. I was like so flattered. Um, <laughs> so like the it was it was kind of a hot mess. But like joke was a, pretty much on them because I got a book deal out of it. Yeah. Um, I went back and then I got certified in sex education while I was writing my book. And yeah, my book is called All the Fucking Mistakes. It's a guide to sex, love and life. And it came out in 2020. And yeah, and then I also decided uh, when I moved to London to go back to school to become a psychosexual therapist. And so I'm working uh, towards that and I'll be fully certified in the fall, which I'm very excited about. Wow. Um, And right now I'm working as a volunteer psychosexual therapist at 5016th Street, which is the foremost LGBTQ clinic in the UK. Oh, that's incredible. Before before all of this, um, you know, when you were a, like a budding journalist and, and sort of like fresh, freshly, um, you know, on the scene of, of writing stories and trying to capture audiences, did you ever have um, a thought that you would go down this route of, of studying, um, you know, sex therapy and, and like, you know, not so much leaving the world of journalism, because I'm sure you'll always, you know, have have that under your belt. But did you ever picture yourself going to this route or did this just all kind of happen faster than you could really kind of keep track of? I mean, it's all sort of progressively built onto itself. But I think that when I was first starting to write, I just wanted to write and I didn't really fully grasp like the full responsibility of what it means to write about sex and what it means to write about it well. Mm. And as my work progressed, it became more and more, more and more uh, obvious to me that the education level needed to be advanced to serve my audience better. And so that's why I went to become certified in sex education because I wanted to be an authority who spoke about sex, not just a writer of it. Cause I, it's a, it's a writing about sex, it's very much like, right. It's like a minefield. Sure. And there's a lot of people who write about sex and do it very, very badly. And there's, and there are a lot of people who do it really well, but I think that I have 
I sort of cover all the bases by being certified in sex education and studying psychosexual therapy and being a professional writer. Mm. So it's like a level of authority that I bring to my journalism and things have built on themselves um, pretty naturally. I also, I suffer from, it was, I actually thought it was interesting at the beginning. You were like, I had the unbelievable amount of content you put out on the internet because I constantly think I need to be doing something more. I'm like, oh, I'm going to become <laughs> irrelevant. Like I'm not doing enough. Like I just launched a YouTube channel called internet sex therapy because I was like, I don't, mm. I always get kicked off of TikTok. So now I have to have a YouTube and yeah, yeah. <laughs> always something happening. I, I would love to just take it back to something you said about your journalism. You mentioned, you said that reported, is that what you said? Reported sex journalism? Uh, yeah. So the difference between sort of like edit editorialized um, writing, it's, it's more like personal essays and writing. There, I think there's a lot of, or at least there used to be, now there's definitely still is. It was sort of like writing sex advice or writing sex articles and stating things as facts, but they're really based on how you feel about something or your opinion about something. And I'm, I've a hundred percent done this many, many times, mm. but, um, as my work was progressing and my career was becoming more, um, established, like I wanted to do things that were based on scientific fact. I wanted to be speaking to experts that are within the field and getting their opinions on these articles I was writing rather than just like sort of shooting the shit about what mm. I wanted to say. Does conducting research uh, for your own sort of reporting, does that interest you at all? The research research side of it? Like for when you mentioned reported story uh, journalism, I was thinking about how, you know, what we do, which is like talking to, we do talk to a lot of experts and a lot of doctors and a lot of educators, but we started out talking to just getting the anecdotal stories of the yeah. average everyday sexual being and not as an authority, but as like, oh, we've, we've actually never, we can talk about kink and we can learn about it from articles, but to have someone who's like living it and experiencing it mm -hmm. is like such a refreshing uh, story to hear. So like, is that a part of report, reported storytelling? Yeah. I mean, it definitely can be like, I wrote an article for Cosmo that was all about foot fetishes. And I spoke to experts who specialize in GSRD, which is gender, sexuality, and relationship diversity, which includes like kink and polyamory, which is also what I specialize in. But I also spoke to a lot of real people who have foot fetishes and got their perspectives on it as well. So I think having a mix of real voices and experts creates a much more multi-layered experience for the reader. Mm. Absolutely. I, I'm, uh, I hope it's okay to ask this, but I, I am kind of curious about but the, that whole anal article, which kind <laughs> of like blew up. Um, I can imagine that like the aftermath of that was was pretty stressful and and kind of like eye opening. Um, it, like, did that did that have any kind of effect on on, you know, like like was that a moment where like, OK, there was my writing before this and now my writing after this and my writing after this is is going to be approached in maybe a, um, a like a different way just because of how much this one article was so, um, you know, so, uh, divisive for so many people and, and like, and, and kind of brought on confrontation in your career. Like, did that, did that sort of shift the way that you decide to approach writing from that moment forward? Absolutely. It was definitely a watershed moment for me where I realized that like, I really didn't have a true concept of just how many people my writing was reaching. Yeah. I yeah. I think like I kind of did, but like that was kind of a moment where I was like, oh my God, like I have this massive responsibility. And it was like a couple of weeks after this went down that I signed up to become a certified sex educator. Cause I was like, if I am going to like be facing, cause one of the fairest pieces of criticism about this piece was that I'm not a certified sex educator at this point. Right. And they were like, why do they have some like just journalists writing this, even though it's completely fine and okay to not be a certified sex educator and write about sex. That's called being a journalist. But from my personal perspective, I was like, I didn't realize I had this much responsibility. And I feel like I have to like beefen up both my writing and my reporting, as well as like my own educational credentials so that people can trust what I'm talking about. And so I can really trust what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was like, I think it was eye opening and it was, it was kind of wild for like my own life, um, too. And it, that's kind of where everything really blew up really. Yeah. yeah is no that, doubt. is that what you, you, you mentioned, like you've dealt with 
some you've grown a thick skin for from the from the trolling and whatnot did it start there like did that did that hurt at all or were you already kind of desensitized prior to that well you know I've been writing for four years on the internet to a very wide audience and I was used to trolling but not it was more like see this was the first time I was ever really trolled for the content itself um for basically being told that like I was grooming children for like writing about anal um (laughs) But like, that was actually like part of why it was so important to me to, it made me like the people tried to scare me off the internet essentially, but they had the exact opposite effect because with all of these sort of conservatives and like really out of touch parents who were like losing their shit over it, it became very apparent to me that these people desperately needed what I was giving them. Yes. That yeah, like right. this, this sex positivity, this education, because I very much live in this little sex positive bubble where everybody's queer and everybody's kinky and everybody's like open in their relationships and like, la la la, what a beautiful world. And then this was a moment where I was like, oh damn, like the world is not doing so great with the mm-hmm. sex positivity. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it pushes, it's very threatening for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, I know that, uh, we've, we've actually, it's funny that we're, we're kind of, especially over the last couple of months, we seem to like constantly be coming back to like the state of sex education. Um, in particular, like over here in North America. Um, and like, I know that, uh, there's, there's still like a pretty like puritanical kind of culture in, in the U S when it comes to sex education and, and, you know, the, the ways that uh, we just like view sex in general. But uh, as someone who has come from America and is now working and living in, in the UK, um, is there, do you see much of a difference in terms of the way that sex is like regarded and talked about and, and approached in, in the UK versus over here? Uh, there's actually a lot of like interesting differences that intersect in interesting ways. So like, I would say that Americans are much more open to talking about sex, like adults right. and English people are much more, as a a whole like reserved and uncomfortable talking about sex outside of like my sort of sex positivity like bubble um but this the education system in the uk is much better um like they just implemented not too long ago comprehensive sex education for every public school here um whereas like in the us it's mostly abstinence only and there's only something like 11 or 12 states that even require scientifically accurate medicaid sorry information Mm. be given to school students Um, so, and the UK is by no means like perfect with their education. They don't really talk about pleasure or masturbation or queer relationships very much, but they give a much better educational system. But I would say attitudes towards sex are more reserved here, um, in general as a population, like you definitely have a different, I live in London, so you definitely have a more urbanite kind of attitude around here, but there is like that whole, I don't mean to stereotype English people, but that kind of like English reserved stereotype, like. Any, I think any English person would tell you that's not far off. <laughs> right, right. Like I feel like it. it, it well, I, I mean, I don't know much about anything, but hearing what you say, it it sort of makes me think like, oh, maybe maybe it stems from like the whole, you know, our our friend. We have a number of friends that have come from uh, the UK, and and like you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have etiquette classes, you know. But our friend Michaela, like, she grew up with etiquette classes, you know, and so it's. Mm-hmm. In Scotland. Not, yeah, yeah. It's not, not a lot of like etiquette talking about sexuality. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's very, very t- still taboo, right? Um, uh, one thing that I, that I'm really curious, and I kind of like, I kind of alluded to this at the, at the top of the conversation, but um, uh, you do some work with, uh, with Three Fun, which is an online dating app for couples and singles looking to mm-hmm. connect with, you know, like-minded individuals. Um, and there was a good chunk of time in the lifespan of this podcast where threesomes were uh, something that we were kind of going down the road on quite extensively. We haven't talked about threesomes in a long time, and I'm kind of excited to maybe pick your brain a little bit about your thoughts on threesomes and and uh, and perhaps like you know ways that people can approach threesomes um, from a really like healthy standpoint. Um, I think like, you know, a couple, a couple who just decides one day, like that they want to introduce somebody else into the relationship. That's a, that's a massive feat and, and a scary place to, to, to go when you don't have any previous, um, experience with it. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a big vast ocean, like 
you know, what apps do you use? How do you, how do you initiate conversation? How do you, how do you talk to your partner about the boundaries that are, that are uh, involved in, in going through with something like that? Um, so if, if, I guess at first, maybe you can just give us a little bit of insight into three fun, because uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old, but I, 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 I haven't heard of three fun yet. So I'd love to know what that app is all about. Sure. So three fun is an app that is for couples and singles where couples can create a uh, profile together to seek out a third or singles can be on to seek out couples. They have a really high degree of security, which is like one of our biggest um, our biggest selling points for the app because getting on an app like 3Fun can be a bit daunting because there's there's kind of a, there's always kind of this feeling that like, you know, your pictures or something or your profile could be found out by your employer. And we don't really live in a world that's super sex positive and that could be damaging to someone's career. So the fact that we have that level of security is really important. Um, yeah. What else do you want to know about the app? <laughs> it, it's yeah. It, I mean, like, is it is it relatively new? Has it been around for a bit? Oh, it's been around for a while, and it's the most popular threesome app that exists. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think the like the only one I knew of that that I feel like sort of started out that way, but maybe like veered a different down like a different path was Field, like from that was like a while back. Um. So it's nice to know that there's like one dedicated app out there that is like specifically for this um let's talk about like like safe ways to to try to engage in in you know um having a threesome with with your with your partner um what are some things that like people might not think about when they're about to kind of take that transition sure well i think an important thing to consider like well we'll speak from like the couple's perspective is that this the threesome is not about finding a third person to basically satisfy all your sexual fantasies and you get to use them as basically a sex toy that you're <laughs> engaging with for your sexual pleasure. Like a threesome really has to be an egalitarian experience where you're bringing a third person in and taking their desires and their fantasies and their sexual boundaries into account in order for it to be successful. Mm. Because that is when you go after a third person in a way that is dehumanizing, it's called unicorn hunting. Yes. And it's just like, it's like a really unchill way to treat another human being. Um, but I think that we, we have such a couple's privilege in our society where like the couple needs to be maintained at all costs that a lot of times the well-being of the third person can be thrown to the wayside. And so I think it's really important that that's where you're establishing partner, like boundaries with your partner when you first want to go into this threesome is how do you see it playing out? What boundaries do you have with your partner? How are you communicating with the third person in a way that's like respectful and taking them into account? Um, I think that a lot of times in heterosexual cisgendered couples, the, the female partner who, if they're looking for a third female person, like a second female person to come into the threesome ends up doing a lot of the emotional labor of those apps mm. because like, it's not particularly a safe world out there for, for women. And so like a woman may be more amenable to speaking with a female partner. Uh, what I'd like to recommend for couples is that they're going to use an app like Threefun is to like have a dedicated time, either like every day or every other day where you guys like can go through your matches and message people together as a unit. Because mm. um, I think it's really important that there's there's balance there because otherwise it can become quite a strain if one person is having to handle all of these emotional connections. Um, I, I call it like, the the sort the paradox of going to the girlfriend factory it's like you've sent your girlfriend off to find you a, a girlfriend from the girlfriend factory and bring it back to bring her back to have sex with you guys yeah, it's like right. like that's not first of all it's dehumanizing and second yeah. of all it like puts so much pressure on on heterosexual cis women who already do so much of the emotional labor in our relationships mm. and so i think making sure that it's not just like it's not just egalitarian as a threesome as a whole but that you as a couple are engaging with this app in a way that feels like you're both carrying the weight of that experience. And from like a technical standpoint, uh, say a couple decides to get on and use the app. Um, are they creating a singular profile that is the two of them or, or does each individual have their own profile, but they're like somehow linked as, as a couple, like how does the, how does the... to create a profile together and right, then okay, single, gotcha. single people can also create their own profiles as well. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love this. Cause it, it, it is it is tricky with a lot of modern like dating um, to initiate that conversation of like 
we are a couple looking to include a third person in any way, shape or form. Like if it's not a forum that's directly dedicated to people who are looking for that, then it just does feel a little bit eggshelly. What if you're not on a, not on three, three fun? Like what, what, what are, would be the etiquette from your perspective of, you know, let's say a couple is out, they've, you know, they've done the, the groundwork of discussing what their, their interests are. And they're like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to look for this third person, but we're not looking online. We're looking in, we're looking in person at, in, at social events and whatnot, where it may not be specifically catered to people who are into open relationships and, and stuff like that. Like what, what if there's someone across the bar from you who you're like, I would like to see if that person is interested in joining us? I mean, I think you would try to flirt with them or pick them up in the way that you would with any other flirtation experience. I don't, I think that sometimes, and this can be like a real mistake that couples can make is the, if it's like, we're going to go with cis heterosexual again. Yes. Sometimes the guy will try to approach a third person with the girlfriend kind of hanging back. And I think that can come off very predatory Mm. um, because it's like, it automatically, because women are already put at this, uh, are already seen to be as passive. And so it, it comes off right away that it's this dude who wants to like sleep with two girls and is like kind of coming for you. And that can be kind of intimidating. I think approaching somebody together and having a conversation with them is the is like the ideal way, but it can be really, really helpful if the, like, if the woman in the relationship and the guy really are either heteroflexible or bisexual because the best threesome experiences are where everybody is attracted to everybody and enjoying themselves. In my opinion. I mean, I know that that's not always true for everybody. Um, cause some people just want to experiment and that's totally fine, but it, I think it keeps everybody a little bit more engaged, but it, so like when it comes to conversation, um, I mean, I think it doesn't, I mean, <laughs> don't, I just don't think it hurts to be like, we think you're really cute. Like we're open and like, what do you think about that? And like, Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. And like, if they're not interested, they're not interested and respect those boundaries. But I mean, I wouldn't be like, Oh, hi, what's your name? We're open. Do you want to go have a threesome with us? But you could just be like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like we're like on the scene. We like, uh, we do a lot of like open stuff, ask them a lot of questions about their life, what they're Mm. interested in. If that person is responding positively to the fact that you said that you're open and they are interested in you, they're going to let you know. Mm. And if they're not, you're going to know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it when you when you put it that way, it just sounds it it just makes so much sense. You know, like approach it the same way you would approach if you were single and approaching anybody you know out at an event, um, but you're approaching as a unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think um, about it as being like friendly and no expectations. Mm-hmm. Like you do not have the expectation this person is going to come home for, from you. You do not have the expectation that they are going to be into it. You're just being honest. You're being friendly. And if somebody's like, oh yeah, okay, well I got to go. Bye. Just be like, okay, cool. Have a good night. You don't have to mm-hmm. be weird about it. I don't mm-hmm. know why people have to all get so clammed up. It's like, mm-hmm. or, get, or get really awkward with people. It's like, just ha- tell them to have a nice night and go about your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the, I, my assumption would be the, the awkwardness comes from the fact that it, it's, it's an act that isn't technically the, the typical sort of setup, right? And so it's like, oh my God, what do we, like, how do we approach this? What do we do now? You, know, you overthink mm-hmm. it. Overthinking it when really it's like, you, you put it so simply. It's just, yeah. do I mean, what I think you it's would about, do. It's about asking, like you can talk, like talk, don't just talk about the fact that you guys are open, right? Like don't just <laughs> yeah. be like, we're an open couple, <laughs> yeah. hi. But you can be like, oh, you know, like we're from London. Like we, um, like, you know, I work in finance and like my partner works in, is like a lawyer and like da da da. Like, oh, cool, yeah. We're also like, we're open. And you can just mention that, kind of even drop it in ask them questions about themselves. And again, like, you'll, it's just, this is just normal conversation. Mm-hmm. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. I'm curious about um, what you think. This is not not that there's a solid answer to this, but you know, the you mentioned how like we really prioritize the couple in society, in the way that we live our lives, and um, things you know for two people. Do you think that there is a future, or what would need what would need adjusting if we were to accept that? Or de-emphasize the couple and say, like, maybe it's more common to see th- people in thruples or people in mm. like you know different relationship arrangements where we might need to accommodate more than two at mm-hmm. you know in romantic settings or you know on roller coasters or, <laughs> or wherever you know whatever's <laughs> built for two people like. You know what? What do you kind of think coaster. about? That's the first thing I think of. They're only built for two people, as if that's the most romantic thing. But you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we just—it's it, not really—it's—it's it's like about creating more normalization of polyamory and of openness, because yeah. like being in an open relationship is like the—that's the umbrella term. Poly uh, open relationships can include like sex with other people with non-romantic ties. Um, or having relationships with other people and swinging that kind of thing. Whereas polyamory means having romantic relationships with multiple partners. Um, and I think just being able to normalize non-monogamy as sort of like the big non-monogamous open umbrella and like being okay with that and sort of understanding that this is a very normal and valid way of having relationships and like dyadic partnered relationships are not like the end all be all. They shouldn't, they don't need to be like the goal everybody is searching mm. for necessarily. And I think like when you have those more open ideals, the part you can still have a primary partner if you want to have your primary partner, but that I think gives you a much healthier mindset of how you're approaching others to be in your relationship because it's no longer like this person is a threat to my relationship. Oh, I'm getting jealous. Oh, I'm freaked out that this is going to, this is going to threaten my relationship. But it's more like, I would like to have this experience with another person because I myself recognize <laughs> romance and sexuality as not needing to exist within a dyadic structure. Mm-hmm. How would you re- respond uh, to a wedding invitation plus one if you were in a thruple? <laughs> um, well, I would let my friend or sibling or whoever it was know that I had a third partner. And I think if they're not willing to let you bring the third partner, then you as a thruple have every right to not go to that wedding and turn down that invitation because they're not being accommodating to your to your third partner. Now, if you mm-hmm. have a situation in your thruple where the the one of the partners is like, I don't want to go, it's fine. You guys go together. That's also fine. Mm-hmm. But it is, I think it's important to communicate with the bridegroom person who is uh, getting married that they are leaving out a part of your relationship because that really is like a bit discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Fair. That's a good answer. Yeah. Especially because if there's someone who's inviting you to their wedding, they should know that you have a third partner, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. But yeah. there's, yeah, yeah. But there seems to still be, you know, like I, I know, I know, I know a couple of people who are 
um, you know, going down that road um, and are in a throuple, but like it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very insulated on, on who knows, like they keep, mm-hmm. they keep it very hush hush and they keep it very, but again, then that all just stems from the fear of, of, you know, discrimination, discrimination, fear yeah. of judgment, fear of like, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just not wanting to deal with the, the, having the conversations with, with folk, you know, like when Bridie and I, yeah. when we opened up our marriage, like early days, I remember being like, Oh fuck. I really, like, I really don't want to talk to my mom about mm-hmm. why I like why I'm inviting my girlfriend and my wife to this thing. Like, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to have the conversation. Like, I don't want to do the, do the heavy lifting of trying to explain to someone who isn't mm-hmm. in that lifestyle. Totally. I mean, it's, it's very context dependent. Like if you're in a yeah. thruple where like there's extended family members or your parents don't know or whatever, mm. you as a thruple have to decide how you're going to handle that. Yeah. Or yeah. you and your, you and your primary partner and your girlfriend or whatever it is, you guys decide together how you want to handle that and however you want to do that. That's your business. Yeah. Um, I would, I would love to talk a little bit about, uh, internet sex therapy. Um, I, okay. you know, it's, it's one of the things that I feel like would have been so amazing oh my God. that existed if I was, um, I watched your one on, on, buck. on, uh, uncircumcised penises earlier today and i was like mm. god jesus how am i 38 years old and i <laughs> i still need this video. yeah yeah totally um but before we do just for my own selfish curiosity and i and i i, I sincerely apologize that this is like something that you've talked about at length before and and is like so far in the mm-hmm. past but i i can't not qu- ask you about this uh you wrote a you wrote an article for mel magazine about weighted blankets are weighted blankets giving people extra vivid sex dreams i i have to know about this i i a i love a good weighted blanket um and i also love but his sex dreams are out of control they're always out of control but i don't i couldn't tell if it was because i was eating cheese before i went to bed or or if it's maybe it's the weighted blanket so is this is this a real thing like what's can you you tell us about the weighted blanket sex dreams they're definitely like a lot of um uh variants and it's mostly anecdotal evidence that supports that the weighted blankets might be giving people sex dreams but it's a very popular uh subreddit that yeah. people are talking about their really intense dreams and sort of the hypothesis behind it we need like an actual scientific study to actually confirm this is wow. that because when you're wearing a weighted blanket it keeps you so deep in REM sleep that it can create more like vivid dreams and then there's also an element of like the this is again this is a theory that the gravity is like pulling you towards the bed, especially if you're laying on your stomach underneath it, and it can stimulate the genitals and cause an arousal process while you're sleeping. Whoa. I can see that. Whoa, that's so cool. I'm testing that out tonight for sure. <laughs> I would I say because we've had this conversation, it's more likely to happen. Yeah. And <laughs> also, now it's in your head. Yeah. And chill out on the cheese just yeah. so it's a really pure experiment. Yeah. Ch- yeah. Ch- we ch- don't, ch- we don't ch- need complicating factors <laughs> with the cheese and the blanket. <laughs> um, but you had started to ask about the internet yes. sex therapy yes. is the video specifically your YouTube platform, yes. right? It is. Yes. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? quite new right? it's very new i just yeah. launched it a couple of weeks ago um they're mm. sort of just bite-sized shorts that address all sorts of uh reader-based questions mostly i have a channel that's called ask Gigi, which is where people can send in questions and i answer a topic i take the question and i sort of answer the question and go into more broadly around the topic and then i also do this sort of general sex education videos that are focused on some of the more general sex therapy questions I get around pain during sex and um, Mm. erectile dysfunction, that kind of thing. So explanation videos, as well as really reader specific uh, videos, but I've gotten really good feedback on it so far. And I, I, at first was just uh, film like straight up, just shooting them with my camera and just uploading them without doing any editing. (laughs) But Mm. uh, now I have an editor. And so it, because it has turned out to be quite a viable project. So Mm -hmm. there will be a lot of good stuff to come from there. That's great to hear that YouTube is a good platform for that because like no other social media. Social media is pretty rough right now with uh, Instagram, TikTok. I didn't realize it was so bad Uh, either. Yeah, Yeah. it is not great. Which is so funny because like, you know, so for people, so for people who are curious, it's it's, uh, Gigi Angle, Internet Sex Therapy. It's on YouTube. Uh, Go subscribe right now. But like you, they're they're great little bite sized videos, you know. Like the last three or four you put up, could uh, could my partner experience pain during anal? Uh, 
micro penises, what you should know. Um, can porn be addictive and affect my desire for a relationship? Uh, you know, is masturbating a, a relationship? Uh, it, is masturbating in a relationship cheating? <laughs> That's uh, that's funny. It's just I get that question come. really more than you would. Yeah, think. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm not surprised. I, I, I get it. I get it. My um, every time my girlfriend sees my Oculus VR headset not where it should be, um, like it's in the bedroom, or anywhere else, just not <laughs> in, on its charging station. She's like, I know what you were doing with that. Like, you're I, I know VR you're not porn? gaming. Yeah, um, which I'm not. Um, uh, but so you know these like little bite sized. Um, very valuable pieces of of like education. To me, it's like it's it's wild to me to talk about the censorship on things like TikTok and Instagram. Um, like when you have something like this, this is valuable. But spending a, any short amount of time on either one of those apps, there's and and no knock on this. I mean, like I think this this all of these things should coexist together. But like. It's so odd to me that this can be so heavily sensitized on, on or sorry, um, um, censored? censored on on social media apps when you could very easily go to many many different TikTok pages or or Instagram pages where it's 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 a it's a funnel to um, sex work. You know, it's like it's it's like a lot of a lot of OnlyFans models like their main utilization for social media is to gain clientele and and the videos that are being used to do that are really enticing and really risque and so mm-hmm. it's it's just like it's it's beyond me that something like this could be like taken down when there's other things out there that are existing that yeah i like, was i was studying my it's so fucking weird i was doing i'm studying massage therapy and they i'm we have to study systemic anatomy and the the reproductive cycle and actually we were studying the endocrine system hormones Mm -hmm. and my teacher uh gave us a link to uh to a video a helpful video to help explain it on youtube and it was started with a warning it said warning this video contains sexual education and it was literally like chalkboard drawings of graphs on when luteinizing hormone and uh follicle stimulating hormones are released Mm. in your body Mm -hmm. like Wow, mm. that the fact that that requires like a, mm-hmm. a it's like a trigger yeah, warning. For I'm actually people. shocked I haven't gotten one of those like warning messages from YouTube yet. They probably mm. will. Do you find Likely, other yeah. other ad? Are there is there ad revenue in in YouTube? Is that how you make? There's it? definitely a lot of ad, ad revenue. I have not been on it long enough to utilize that yet, but I I do know that even though they're letting my content stay on the platform. Like it's only a matter of time before they shadow ban me there. Too. Yeah, it would just be demonetized well, due yeah. to you know the fact that you have micro penis in a title. It's like yeah. Well, I mean, I do a lot of a lot of the stuff like internet sex therapy and like my newsletter, the G Spot. That's all free, and mm-hmm. I don't monetize them, and I just see them as being like, not to sound like a martyr, because it's not what I'm trying to do, but I just see them as like extra ways to like supplement for my readers and. Mm-hmm. uh I like make the majority of my living from doing like my writing work. And that allows me the space and freedom to give those extra resources. Mm-hmm. So I obviously would love to utilize them and make some money, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna stop if they tell me I can't. Yeah. In, in terms of like, like to the, the ask Gigi um, segments, um, has it like, how, do you, have you, have you been doing this long enough now that the, like, there's no question that will ever, that you'll ever go, Whoa, I never, never even thought about that or like I never I like that's that just like sort of surprised me or shocked me um uh or or do you are you still like are you still getting questions where you go wow that's a that's a like that's real that's a real new one like and and I might need to like do a bit of digging to actually get to the bottom of this answer that I want to put out there yeah I mean I definitely got still get questions but one of the things I love about sexuality is like I there's never gonna be a lack of surprise, which I love. There's always something new happening, some new question. Um, like for instance, I got that. I mean, I know I've know a lot about micro penises, but I got a specific question that was about whether a micro penis can affect fertility. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, I want to say no, but I need to do some more research into this. And like, found a lot of like interesting stuff around it. Where basically, no, unless it's such a small micro penis that I can't get into the vaginal vestibule to deliver sperm. Yeah. 
uh, which has to do, it's not about sperm quality. It's not about fertility. It's literally about being able to deliver the specimen. Yeah. So, so that was kind of an interesting bit of research that I was did before I got on there. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm curious about uh, your trajectory. I know you're working on, um, you're working, you're, you're in education right now. And it seems to me, based on everything that we've talked about so far, that you you have a passion for learning. And um, I'm just wondering, like, what someone in your boots or you in your boots, like, what where do you see this going? Um, I mean, I I'm hoping to write a second book, uh, which I'm in the sort of very early research stage phase right now of doing. Um, I'm getting certified in the fall, so that'll be a big thing. And who knows, maybe one day I'll get my PhD. And I, the real ultimate goal would be to have my own show on Netflix. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Love that just, goal. Just really go for it. Something that's focused on, on, on threesomes and open relationships and polyamory. You see, like now when you say that, are we talking like uh, talk show, documentary, limited series, like that kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, I think a really sort of sensitively handled um, documentary about like the true lives of polyamorous people and open people and the, and the, the very complex and multifaceted ways that these relationship dynamics exist could be fascinating, especially hosted by somebody who is a therapist who specializes in that kind of community structure. Mm. You see that very much stay, you, where you're going to live in terms of your specialty yeah, it's a kink, polyamory, open relationships, and the LGBTQ community. So anything that falls under the gender, sexuality, and relationship diversity umbrella. Mm-hmm. Who who are your who are your role models? Like yeah. who are the folks that you look up to that do the stuff that you do and and, and do it like very well? Sure. I mean, I'm obsessed with Emily Nagoski, who wrote "Come as You Are." She's like just everything, and she has a new podcast, which is incredible. So if you haven't listened to it, please do. Okay. And um, we actually just I, did an ad for it. We, yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she's it's it's so good. And it, like she covers all these basic things that I already know about, but I was still like, oh, I'm just gonna listen again. <laughs> um, and she and her producer have a lot of cute chemistry. Um, I love Wednesday Martin, who is a social anthropologist who uh, specializes in feminism and women's rights. Uh, she wrote the book Untrue Why uh, How the New Science Can Set Us Free Because Everything You Know About Female Sexuality Is Wrong. Um, uh, I mean, I love sex with Emily, Dr. Emily Morse, who does the sex with Emily podcast. She's amazing. And I love Dr. Zana Ravangola, who is the Mm. NYU professor of, uh, human sexuality. Mm -hmm. And she does a lot of work around open relationships. And she was one of the people who definitely inspired me to start going into this work. Yeah. A past guest of the show. And she, and uh, for folks who haven't listened, go back and listen to her episode because she's yeah, actually, so cool. your resource page cool. is filled with a bunch of past and dream guests like yeah. Lori Brado, Dr. Tammy Nelson. Yeah. Um, I love you. I think your resource page is like a dream. So any listeners who, you know, who are looking for books on topics on anything and mm-hmm. everything we've ever been I guess you guys will find asked. yourselves on there in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, I'm blushing. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, th- this is this is fantastic. And and uh, any dream like uh, collaborations, you mentioned some like Emily Nagoski, mm-hmm. um, like any is there, are there are there things that you see in your future that involve creating with aside from this documentary, like with other experts in this field? I mean, I haven't given a ton of thought to that because I am very much an island, honestly. But um, if an opportunity like that came up, I would jump on it. Like mm. if there, were, if I had an opportunity to like host a podcast with one of these like mega sex, amazing humans, mm. I would jump at that in a second for sure. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, uh, Gigi, how can people find you? How can people stay up to date with the work that you do? Um, uh, let Give yourself a little plug. Sure. Okay. So I'm Gigi Angle. My website's MissGigiAngle.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. At Gigi Angle, you can also find me on YouTube. Uh, Gigi Angle, Internet Sex Therapy. Uh, the handle is Miss Gigi Angle. I also write the newsletter, The G Spot, which is on uh, Substack. You can find it on all of this on my website, MissGigiAngle.com. And you can also find me popping around the press as the lead intimacy expert at Three Fun. 
Amazing. And again, folks, all the fucking mistakes, a guide to sex, love and life. Uh, the book's available now and uh, you can find that uh, on the website. Uh, Count on me to forget my book. <laughs> hey, no worries. No worries. Uh, uh, thank you. This has been a real treat. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and, and talk with us. Absolutely. Okay. It's been a delightful to chat. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to, so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that sex toy, <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market